Gotta love our city kids. Don't we appreciate them? We say here, we don't tolerate kids. We value kids. So if your kids are in the room here online, you are not disturbing us. If they scream, cry, whatever, we love them. We don't care. I, I, I have kids. I, I don't have little ones anymore. They're, they're bigger now. But, uh, you know, as dad, you learn how to tune that stuff out anyway. So it doesn't bother me. You don't have to worry about it. If you have that, we're thankful. And those of you at home, we're thankful to have you as well. My name is Chris Pate. I am the lead pastor here. And for those of you that are new, we are in a series that we actually started at the beginning of the year. Every year at the beginning of the year, as many of you guys know, we do a churchwide fast for the whole week. And we do it along with our global family of churches called Every Nation. And we have churches in 80 different countries, 81 different countries, I think now, all over the globe that we get to do life together. And it's so beautiful seeing all the different ethnicities, languages, but all of us coming under the banner of Jesus. That's what a community is, a common unity. And our common unity is Jesus. So look around the room. People don't look like you. Maybe they come from different places, different states. Maybe their Cowboys fan will still love them. But we love them because our common unity is Jesus. And that unites us so much more than anything that can separate us, right? And he's the one we're following as a Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, and socially responsible community we are trying to be. So we have got an opportunity to do that together with other churches. And we continued with this series called Abide. Now, I know you don't use this word in your everyday language. I mean, maybe you do. Uh, maybe you're talking to your kids and trying to get them home to come abide with you. Uh, but probably not. But this is a pretty common language and phrase. And it means to remain, to persevere, to hold fast, to cleave. And, and I like the, really, the picture of plants. My wife is the designated plant lady. She loves plants. And we know that if you constantly move and transplant plants, it's bad for them. They need to remain. They need to stay because the grass is not greener on the other side. Oftentimes, it's just greener where you water. And so remaining, abiding, being with. And I love this terminology because, yes, we need to be with one another. We need to be with and remain in Scripture, remain in our relationship with God and not get deterred, but we can do that because we have a God who made his abode here, who came to abide with us and came down to us. That endears my heart to want to be with God. So in part three of our series of Abide, we're talking today about the word. We've talked about the word being flesh. Today, we're talking about the word Jesus feeds our spirit. To get us started with this idea of feeding our spirit, we are, if you don't know, in a city that is the most diverse city in the nation. Us in New York go, go hand in hand, back and forth. A lot of people don't know that. In our church, we are extremely diverse as well. So I polled a few people and looked at a few things to look at and to tempt you, especially second service. This is horrible, I know. But to tempt you with some pictures of food as we talk about Jesus are we on? As we talk about Jesus being the bread of life and the one we are to feed on. So I'm going to start with our Filipinos. Any Filipinos in the house? A few of mostly first service, mostly first. Come on, rep represent. Thank you, thank you. Filipinos, I know. Is that, is that Michael? Is that you guys? I can't tell. I can't see that far very well. But uh, got to go to a Filipino wedding not too long ago and had some great Filipino food. 
And uh, one of the favorites is the chicken adobo. If you've ever had chicken adobo, yes, here's a great picture. You know this psychologically, biologically, that as you look at the picture, especially if you're hungry, you start to sweat a little bit. The meat sweats come on. <laughs> you start, your, your, your temperature actually rises, even as you look at a picture. That's a whole nother sermon. But I'm going to tempt you a little bit as we talk about food. A, a favorite dish of some of our Indians is chicken makani. Anybody have that butter chicken? Very, very good. So yummy. What about our Koreans? Now, I had to talk to one of my closest friends and our executive pastor who is from Seoul, Korea. He's got Seoul. Ji Yoon. It is true. I know. And uh, I had to ask him as well as Kwan as well. Say, give me your top. And they both said the same thing. L.A. Galbi, which is a Korean barbecue short rib. Also, uh, there, there, there's plenty of good meats saturated, marinated in that Korean style. Anybody else getting hungry yet? You're welcome. You're welcome. Just get it out there. Now, as I was thinking about American food, of course, I'm looking around. You know, today is National Pie Day. Uh, we always have some kind of weird national something day, right? Uh, we actually, in America, we have two national pie days. We like it so much. And if you look up Google, different, different things like what's the best dish, American dish, apple pie always makes the top, which I think is dis disgusting. Uh, I mean, I don't eat hot fruit, so that's just me. Um, so I'm not into that. Yeah, you're starting to go. He doesn't like this. Right, exactly, exactly. So I put a couple of my favorite foods. Now, these aren't my top. My top is steak. If you want a good steak, go to Killin' Steakhouse. They kill it. It's amazing there in Pearland. That's what you want to do. Save some money. That's a good anniversary. There you go, birthday. For me, there's a couple of things, especially thinking about what we're about to read in Scripture in John chapter 6. Jesus calling himself the bread of life. When I think of bread, my favorite bread is Hawaiian bread. I think... You see in the Old Testament where God made manna, which we're going to reference here, manna coming up out of the ground. Manna means what is it? Because they didn't know what it is, but I guarantee it was Hawaiian bread. It had to have been. It's so sweet and delicious. I mean, just looking at that picture, I'm getting hungry. Right, right son? I'm sure you are. But there's, there's a new favorite food that I have. How many of you guys like cereal? Anybody cereal fans in here? Come on, man. You know, you know what we do? In my house, it's pretty customary. Um, to we have our cheat meal or our good meal Sunday after service. Like work hard, play hard, right? Like let's meet with people, let's have church, and let's go eat. Um, and in fact, we really enjoy a good banchan Korean fried chicken. I know that's not genuine to G as much, but that might happen today. But uh, we enjoy a good lunch. And so dinner time comes and the kids are like, what are we going to have? What are we going to have for dinner? And mom's like, you're on your own. Uh, and typically it's cereal. But man, the older I got, I just turned 42 yesterday, 4.2 leveled up. And I know I look good. And so I love cereal, but man, it hurts me. It doesn't love me the older I'm getting. It's just not working. I found this cereal. I'm going to evangelize for a second before we get to Jesus called Magic Spoon. And specifically this kind Waffle maple syrup. Oh, it's so good. 12 grams of protein, guys. Come on. Four grams of carbs. Come on. I mean, this is amazing. It's, yeah, clap for the cereal. I mean, this is a great church. Online, order it. It's worth it. You can Amazon it. Go for it. I'm not making any money off this. I'm just here to evangelize. It's a good cereal, and you can have that late at night, and you're not hurting, 
bro. You're not hurting. Uh, I'm here to help you. I'm here to help you. So Kenneth, you and me, you and me. Uh, When we think about food, we think about hungering and thirsting after God. Jesus says, feed on me as we're about to read. It's really interesting. We know food gives life. It sustains us. We know we need it. We just got off our fast and many of us fasted for five to seven days, no food or just water or certain things. And, and not, so, not so we could cry out to the heavens and God would hear us, but so that we can hear him and deny ourselves of things we're used to. So as my stomach aches or growls, I'm, I'm understanding that I don't live by bread alone, as Jesus said. I live by the word of God and it reminds me to seek him. And it's a beautiful thing to fast and continue in that practice, not just once, every every once in a while. But we know if you do that too long, you will die. Because food gives us the nutrients and it goes to every area of our body in order to give us the sustenance and the ability and the energy to be able to do what we're called to do in your workplace, in your family, to be able to have the brain power to study wherever you are in life. We understand, I don't have to preach about, the necessity of food. However, Jesus takes us in a, in a different direction because we understand we need it for our life to exist. But Jesus isn't just talking about feed on me. I am the bread of life to just talk about existence. In fact, as we're going to read in a second, when Jesus uses the word life, it's, it's a Greek word, but there's multiple ways to say life. We just say life. We've kind of simplified it, but typically we understand what we mean depending on our connotation. Jesus used two different words. There is two words. One is bios, which is like in order to exist, life that your heart is beating, you are moving. And then there is another word in the Greek called zoe, which is a quality of life. It's a certain type of life. Typically, some would say the God kind of life. And Jesus uses these different words. And it's super helpful to understand that when he's talking about I'm the bread of life, he's not using bios. He's not just saying you need to get in your word daily, although that's true, in order to sustain your spiritual life. He actually uses Zoe. Let me give you an example. This last summer, uh, me and my family, almost every year, the, the spiritual family we're part of that we talked about earlier, every nation, they'll put on a conference and we'll have a North American conference. And typically they always want to do it on the surface of the sun in Orlando, uh, Florida. And uh, it's super hot. It's so crazy. We go there. We have a good time. We have a conference. We got to take our whole staff this last time. And I can't tell you, I've probably been to 10 conferences in Orlando over the 10 years. And almost every summer we end up going there. Every summer up until this summer, we would drag my family of five, the Pate Five, the Fab Five. We've got our two teenagers, our 10-year-old, me and my wife, and we would go into one of those double queen beds and put our 10-year-old on the couch and just suffer. Okay, we're living, we have shelter, we have bios, we have food, but we ain't living. There's one shower, one bathroom, right? Somebody takes extra long and we're all late. You understand what I'm saying? Not living. This last summer, we found out that in this same hotel, the Marriott World, whatever, is like this big hotel, just right down, like within walking distance, they have this thing called the villas. If you're a family, this is what you want to do. The villas were amazing. You walk in and it's 
two huge bedrooms, two bathrooms, a gigantic living room, living area. You have a little, little porch area. You could go outside. You've got coffee. You've got a washer and dryer because you're there for a week with your kids. I mean, it's amazing. And I remember my youngest, my 10-year-old, lay down on the couch when he walked in and we were all like, wow, this is amazing. And here's the deal. It's not even that much more expensive, like barely more. And he walked in, he laid on the couch and it's just, this is living. <laughs> this is living. And see, that connotation of living, I'm not asking him, oh, what, are you okay? Were you dead? Was your heart not racing? Are you breathing? No, that's bios. That's existence. He was talking about a quality of life. There's a quality of living. I could get used to this. This is great. Listen, when Jesus says, I'm the bread of life, he's not saying, I'm here to give you existence. He's saying, I'm here to give you a quality of life you don't even know of. You didn't even know was available because you've never seen it or heard it or felt it. You've only lived existence. And in fact, and just mere existence is typically, and I'm telling you, an eternal existence. That's what hell is. It's just perpetual existence. It's like any sci-fi movie you would see with a, a god or someone who's found a fountain of youth. And 5,000 years later, they're just like, oh. You ever seen Will Smith and Hancock? After many years, he's just, this is stupid been here a long time. I'm just existing. And Jesus says, I'm not here to give you eternal existence. I'm here to give you eternal life. Let's read the scripture. We got about 22 verses to go. This is really, really important. John chapter six, look at Jesus's words. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal Zoe, life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is in my flesh. Verse 52. The Jews then disputed among themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? You ever read the Bible and were really confused? Or you talk to somebody and they're just like, it's just all contradictory, it doesn't make sense. But you're reading it literally and not literarily. There's metaphor, there's nuance, there's understanding, there's context. We see on the back end, but imagine being in the room and hearing Jesus say these things. Oh, but we're not done. So Jesus said to them, he doubles down. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Dang, Jesus. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks 
my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, not the dead Father, He's not talking about Father Abraham. He's talking about God, the true living source, Zoe source. As he sent me, I live because of the Father. So whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. Verse 60, when many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is hard saying. Who can listen to it? I appreciate the candor of the scripture. So it's like everybody just loved it and everybody loved Jesus. And they all lived happily ever after. No, people went, what, are you zombie Jesus? Are you vampire Jesus? What is this? But Jesus Knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives Zoe life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are Spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? We burned the ships. There's no plan B. You, another translation says, you alone have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Pray with me. Father, bless your word as you do it will not return void let it go deep into us jesus name amen now we get the ideas we've been talking about of life the two kinds of life so many times we're looking for just existence and in fact the prequel to what we just read a lot has happened If you just look in John chapter 6, it starts with the feeding of the 5,000. Some of us are familiar with that. You've got this little basket. You've got the fish. You've got the loaves that this kid brought. And Jesus multiplies it and feeds. It says 5,000 men, but it just counted the men. So we're talking 10, 15,000. You've got women, children with this one thing. And it said there were leftovers because God doesn't waste anything. I love this about God. And then what happens? Everybody was filled. It was the end of the day. It was like they were exhausted. So they kind of each went back to their area. 
Jesus climbs up on a mountain, probably Mount Arbel. We've been there if you've ever been to Israel, and he's overlooking the Galilee Sea. And his disciples, he had commanded to go to the other side, to cross the sea, to go to another area. And they're going, and there's wind, and there's rain, and there's storms. And next thing you know, they see him walking on water. All this has happened up to this point. He gets to land, and the next day, the people, they knew he sent the disciples ahead, but they didn't see Jesus in the boat with them, so they run up to him because they're going, that was the greatest day of my life, best teaching I've ever had, and I got food, the best food I ever had. This was amazing, and not only that, it was a poor community, so they're seeing miracles, signs, wonders, being fed. I mean, you talk about people are signing up for this class. They're signing up for this conference and they're looking for Jesus. They run, they find him and they're like, wait, you weren't with them. How did you get here? And you know what he says to them? He didn't say, well, I walked on water, guys. He doesn't do that. He's a humble king. But because he knows what's in their heart, you know what he says to them? In about 620, John 6 verses in the 20s, he says, you're only looking for me because you got food from me. You only want what I have. You don't want me. You ever felt rejected before? You have no idea the kind of rejection Jesus went through and suffered through. And he straight up told them, you just want food. And they said, yeah, you're right. Like, give us a sign because Moses, through his power, brought manna out of the ground. That, what is it? That Hawaiian bread. And they fed for, for years, they fed off that. And they're like, listen, imagine this, Jesus, if you did that miracle every day like Moses and you're kind of a Moses figure and you're going to save us and help us, you know how much money I can save on my grocery bill? And then I could afford that house. And then I can get that donkey that I've been dying to get, that Tesla donkey that's just killing it these days. And I mean, I can, I can afford it because I don't have to worry about food and I don't wear a food I can do a lot of things give us that bread and Jesus says I am the bread of life but I have a different life than what you want you want something just to help you get by to sustain you I have an energy an explosion like the gas in a car does to explode the car in order to be able to move and do what you cannot do on your own. I have a different kind of life that helps you see differently and frames the world in such a way that you're experiencing life, even the life that is willing to give. And you know you feel better when you give than when you receive. As I say often from this church, if you only live to receive, you're only going to be happy on your birthday and Christmas. If you give every day according to the way Jesus has called us to give, you're constantly looking for ways to bless, pray, encourage, knowing that there's more than enough to go around. I don't have to conserve all my energy just to exist. Jesus says, I've got something in you that you can give so much when you abide in me more than ever and you're really living. This was my experience as a believer and has been my experience. Not in perfection as if I don't have my times where I start going after just mere existence out of frustration. Many of us do this in different capacities. 
Paul talks about different types of pseudo life we go after to fill ourselves, to make us feel better, to make us feel happy in order to just get by. But we think it's given us quality of life, but it's not. He'll refer to alcohol, for instance, in Ephesians chapter 5. Not that we think alcohol is bad or some kind of end all, but we know that getting drunk and getting to that point where it's everything and I can't even do social things without drinking some because that depressant helps me be a different me and I can dull my senses so I can be this and that. That's how we get into alcoholism. And Paul will say that substance that you think has given you life is created for food and for some good cheer. But when it becomes your life and you try to extract Zoe out of it, he says, don't get drunk with wine that leads to debauchery, that leads to exhaustion. Just exhausted trying to extract life from what cannot give me life. A pseudo-foe life, he says, don't do that. That is a depressant. We know alcohol is a depressant. It nulls, it helps you escape. He says, but be filled with the spirit, which is life. That is a stimulant that will stimulate you and help you be who God called you to be fully. Not dulling who you are so that you can live, but truly extracting who he called you to be to live. Maybe it's not alcohol. Maybe it's entertainment. Maybe it's a person. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a thing that Jesus comes in and says, of course you need the word of God. Of course you need scripture to sustain existence and you're going to die just like if you don't have food. But I'm not talking about manna. I'm talking about a different quality of life for eternity. What does it mean to feed on Jesus? Again, they're coming to him going, give us more bread. And oftentimes we do that. We approach Jesus. We see a miracle or something great has happened in our life. And we're just like, more of that, Jesus. Like, yeah, like, dude, more of that. Like, double promotion and make that thing happen. More love and feeling and experience. And that's not all bad necessarily. But Jesus always wants to get to the root because he's good. Like a good doctor you go in, I've got these stomach pains. And if the doctor's just like, here's a Band-Aid, like Alana just did. Here's a Band-Aid. And psychology might have kind of that, I'm better, but cancer is eating you up. That's a horrible doctor. And Jesus says, this is what you want. You want existence and sustain. You want a pseudo life. I'm not going to give you that. I love one of the examples in scripture, and it tells a story of Jesus who's in Peter mother, Peter's mother-in-law, her house, and, and he's teaching, and all of a sudden comes crashing down, you open up a ceiling, and drop down as a guy on a mat, four guys drop him down, and right there, and he's lame, and he's been lame for his whole life, and these guys said, I've seen Jesus do things, I might not have experienced not being lame, but I've seen him do it, and I know he can do it with this person, and we tear down the ceiling, Jesus is in the middle of teaching this guy drops and Jesus looks at him and he says your sins are forgiven and you imagine all the people went bro seriously that dude doesn't need his sins forgiven he needs legs he needs to walk he needs a quality of life that he hasn't had because he can't work because we think superficially that's life Fix my finances, Jesus. 
pay off my thing, Jesus. And Jesus says, I I can do that. And I believe God wants to do that. But he says, but if I do that first and I don't get to the root, guess what's going to happen? You're going to go back to that for life. And it's exhausting. Anybody else feel that exhaustion? That's why he yells out to the crowd, come to me. Not just my teaching. Come to me, all you who are weary, heavy laden, and you're burdened by the cares of this life that offers life, but it's not life. And I'll give you rest. Come into a personal relationship with me. So if you had the opportunity to ask Jesus for anything like they did, I think oftentimes we miss it. But I love about Jesus, he doesn't let us stay there because he's good. And I put it this way, it's on the screen. Jesus often gives us what we need in a way we do not want, in a package or form we don't want. That's offensive. And listen, he's not afraid to offend your mind, to break your heart so that you'll receive. He's not afraid to double down on eat my flesh, drink my blood. And they're all going, can't do it, dude. This is crazy. And he's going, no, you don't understand. I'm offering something that you're trying to get, you'll never get. My experience personally in this is trying and reaching and, and, and having moments in my Christian life, yes, as a pastor of like, oh, but this, I'll feel better. Once we get to this place, man, once our son's off to college and then we're just focusing on these other two kids and you know he's doing his own thing, bye Addison, uh, sorry. But like then, man, once I get this promotion, then, man, once this thing happens and we get to this level, then I'll experience life. And anybody else, me in 42 years, it never happens. It never happens. It's a constant deception. We have to recalibrate and read the words of Jesus and go, no, I, I need you. I need to abide and remain and spend time with you. And I'm getting distracted by all the other things that are alluring me. And I need to focus again. And that's what the beginning of the year is all about. Seek first the kingdom, the king, his way of doing things. Not my way of doing things. His way of doing things. And the promise is all the other things are going to be added. And Jesus says, not just my teaching, but me. There's a personal relationship that comes. And this wasn't the first time this was spoken. I mean, you read Isaiah 55. We're going to read three verses. And if, if they would have understood what Jesus was telling, they would have seen this. This is not a new teaching. Jesus isn't coming down a mountain, but he's proclaiming to be God. And the only one that can sustain life. And Isaiah 55, it says this. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. You don't have to sacrifice anything right now. I'm offering it freely. This is the gift of salvation, true life. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? That is not Zoe. And you labor for that which does not satisfy. Listen diligent to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. 
here that your soul may live. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. You know what I love about this? This is not a professional business relationship with God. Some of us have that kind of relationship with God. Like, I'm doing my things. I'm having an evaluation with you. Yes, I'm reading my Bible. I'm doing my thing. I went to church, so I feel really good. And God's going, that's all good. I appreciate that. But I want you. And I want you to want me. This is a relational God. This is a personal relationship. If you've been married at all, you know the difference between a business and a personal relationship. Business relationship and marriage is always transactional. If you're really nice to them, then they reciprocate. If you're really mean to them, then they reciprocate. If you've really done the things, and yes, honey, I took out the trash, and everybody's happy. And I've seen couples that have been married 30, 40 years, but they're not mature. They're not, it's not a good personal relationship where they look at each other, they dote over each other, they appreciate each other. There is a personal relationship. It is a transactional, professional relationship where the winner is paid by State Farm. Outlast, outlive, outplay. I've seen marriages 30 years old, but it was just the first year repeated 30 times. No growth, no change. Not love, but just existence. It's not just about quantity. It's about quality. And quality can happen in a moment. Come, everyone who thirsts. You know why I'm thirsty today more than when I met Jesus 21 years ago? Because I know nothing offers what he offers. Psalmist says, taste and see, the Lord is good. And this is the beautiful thing about our God, is he invites us to this kind of relationship. So how do we feed on Jesus? Three things as we wrap up and we're closing. Number one, prayer. It's just basic Christian things. We know we should pray, we should read the Bible. But let me say this, it comes from a personal place. And you can pray, and you could pray. You know the difference. See, because Jesus says, believe in the bread that came from heaven. You understand, Christianity is not a Western religion. Yes, we conquered the West because of intellectualism and philosophy, because it is a thinking religion. It's not an Eastern religion, more mystical and mysticism, although there's mystery and beauty and miracles in it, but it's not that alone. It is someone that came from above, and Jesus proclaiming to be God And God being flesh in a person saying, not just believe this, not just listen to these words, not just obey these traditions, but I want you. 